0: We are in the second week of a series titled Christian, where we're taking a look at what it means to follow Jesus in the 21st century. A lot has changed in 2,000 years since Christ walked this earth, but what it means to be his follower shouldn't have. Yet, amid those 2,000 years, very subtle, maybe even unnoticed changes have led Christianity a little off course from what Jesus had in mind. It's reminiscent of a facet of aviation. For every single, likely unnoticed degree that you fly a plane off course equates to missing your landing target by 92 feet for every mile you fly. Or think of it this way. On a flight from JFK to LAX, one degree off for the duration of that cross-country flight would be catastrophic and land you about 40 miles out in the Pacific Ocean. I doubt any of us would deem that acceptable. Just as hard as it is to recognize being just one degree off while flying at 30,000 feet it's hard to recognize the one-degree changes that have happened in Christianity over the past 2,000 years. It's my hope that this series will make the changes and correct course back to what it means to be a Christian, to really be a follower of Christ. And today we're going to address one of the reasons why some people never experience a real, authentic change in their life that Jesus desires. That's because they don't realize following Jesus, being a Christian, is not just agreeing to a set of beliefs, but also a way of life. As time has clicked on since Jesus' life on this planet, it seems that we have drifted more and more towards this idea that being a Christian is simply a few statements, ideas, or beliefs that we can nod our head and agree with. For example, just a few of those would be that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, actually God in the flesh sent down to the world. That Jesus Christ died for your sins, that's another one. Or that Jesus conquered death, giving you a chance to put to death your old way of living and to walk a new life. Those are certainly foundational beliefs of our faith, but there is a difference, a big difference, between agreeing with what Jesus did for you and living your life as a follower of His because of it. Lots of people believe in Jesus. They just love Him to pieces, they they worship Him, they adore Him, They, they praise His name, they invite Him into their hearts and accept Him as their Lord and Savior, but Not many people are willing to follow him and live life as he says. In the book of Luke, Jesus himself stated, So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? Jesus calls people to follow him as a way of living and as a lifestyle. And as a result, the earliest members of the Jesus movement, the ones who were creating the church shortly after Jesus' death and resurrection, were actually known as followers of the way followers of the way next chapter nine is one of just six examples that we see of this, which begins like this in a section titled Saul's conversion. Uh, meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest he requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way that he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. So let's unpack this for a minute. Who is this man named Saul and what is his beef with Christians who are known as followers of the way? Well, here's the Cliff Notes version. This man named Saul was an influential Jewish expert on the on the scriptures and he held the, the high position of a Pharisee. And the Pharisees were very influential leaders of the Jewish religion and they followed 600 plus Uh, laws they saw reflected in their scripture and were pretty rough on anyone who fell short of those laws who fell short of perfection and if you read any bit of jesus life you know that he had conflict with these religious leaders quite frequently Um, they just couldn't stand jesus for for several different reasons but but here are a few first off jesus was inclusive people such as prostitutes tax collectors and those with disabilities that the pharisees avoided jesus embraced Jesus' message of love, hope, and grace, a message so opposed to that, of the Pharisees allowed him to grow in popularity. The Pharisees also couldn't stand Jesus because he led people to abandon their modern way of religion and follow him. While the Pharisees tried to get people to follow all of those laws, Jesus came on the scene and said, all you really need to focus on is, is loving God and loving people. And if you do that, you'll in essence fulfill all the laws. Well, loving people was really a tough thing for the Pharisees to do because people weren't perfect. And Jesus was claiming himself as as God in the flesh. So in turn, the Pharisees were never going to love and accept an imperfect uh, person or or Jesus as God. The Pharisees were never going to see eye to eye with him. So they sought to have him arrested and killed, put all this this Jesus stuff to rest once and for all. Uh, But there's a problem. Not even death could put the end to, to the movement of Christ. Jesus would would walk out of the grave and empower his followers to continue to spread his message. Jesus' enemies thought they killed him. But now there are thousands of people living just like him. This continued to become a threat to the Jewish religion as thousands and thousands more people put their faith in Jesus. So Pharisees such as Saul with the backing of the Roman government would go into houses, churches, grabbing these dangerous Christians, arresting and oftentimes they'd kill them in an effort to extinguish the Jesus movement. But what made these Christians so dangerous? Well, honestly, it wasn't just because they believe something, because beliefs in and of themselves aren't too dangerous. Beliefs are, are just thoughts that, that we have that sit idly somewhere but between our ears. But you see, what made the early, the early Christians, the followers of the way, so dangerous is that they acted on their beliefs. Killing a grave conquering Jesus did nothing to stop his movement because now there were several thousands of people, more than they could count who were living their life just like Jesus lived his, and it was changing lives in the world as they knew it. That is what happens when we come to see that even 2,000 years later, following Jesus, being a Christian, is not just agreeing to a set of beliefs, but also a way of life. That way would even rub off on this Pharisee Saul, who would later go by the name of Paul, put his own faith in Christ, and start at least 12 churches on the foundation of Jesus' life. Now, as we think about being a Christian in the 21st century, it's worth asking, what lifestyle are we living? And granted, there will always be a certain number of people who drift through life with no aim, but most of us are pursuing some sort of a lifestyle, meaning we are seeking a particular set of values and attitudes in our life. Our everyday actions are are guided by some groups of beliefs. There are all kinds of lifestyles that we see displayed around us. For example, there has been a movement recently of people who consider themselves minimalists uh, think of this as kind of the opposite of a hoarder. A definition I read recently tells us that minimalism is a lifestyle that is all about living with less. This includes less financial burdens such as debt and unnecessary expenses. For many minimalists, the philosophy is about getting rid of excess stuff and living life based on experience rather than on worldly positions. <laughs> minimalism, it's, isn't it so lovely that, that common sense now has a name? Every single day, a minimalist life is impacted by by living this lifestyle. And we see this through a variety of different dietary lifestyles as well. Uh, Let's consider uh, vegans. Uh, Veganism is a lifestyle that attempts to exclude all forms of of animal exploitation and, and cruelty, whether that's for food, clothing, or any other purposes. But every day, vegans live this lifestyle that is impacted by a multitude of decisions and choices. Some people's lives are are dominated by a physical lifestyle. I've had the opportunity to spend some time in a running community and and have been around people whose everyday decisions, literally everything they think about, such as what to eat, what to drink, when to get up, when to go to bed, even their social life is dominated by their physical lifestyle and their beliefs. There are certainly thousands of differing lifestyles out there. Still, they, they, they all envelop some of the same aspects, a dedication to pursuing certain behaviors, values, and attitudes. Once again, I'd like you to consider: what lifestyle are, are you living? What would your life look like if you were pursuing a Christ-centered lifestyle? And I think for a lot of us, as we start to wrap our mind around the idea uh, of following Jesus and, and a Christian not just being uh, something that we agree with a certain set of beliefs, but a way of life, when we start to think about that, we think it's all about doing things. We may led to believe, oh, I must disrupt all the rhythms of my life, my way of living, and get busy doing everything I saw Jesus doing. And to a certain extent, yes, following Jesus as a way of life will mean that we have to adjust specific priorities. It'll be challenging at times, but we'll come to see that this is for the better. But following Jesus is not a means to exhaust yourself. but as a way to live the best, most impactful life you can. Jesus himself once said, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them, to give my followers a rich and satisfying life. There have been many times in my life, and writing and, and even the conviction of this teaching proved one as well, where I had to ask myself, would I really describe my life as rich and satisfying? I mean, would you describe your life that way? If someone came up to you and said, Hey, how you doing? How's your life? Would you even describe your life as anywhere close? rich and satisfying? The reality is that for many of us, we don't feel that way. And I genuinely believe that a big reason is that when it comes to faith, we have bought into the lie that following Jesus is all about a set of beliefs instead of a lifestyle, instead of an actual way of living. Now let me point out just a few ways that following Jesus a way of life can lead us to that rich and satisfying life. First off, following Jesus as a lifestyle means that we are freed from our anger. The book of Ephesians tells us, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. Think about all that the anger, bitterness, and resentment that has robbed you of joy in your days. The, the lifestyle of Jesus frees you from dwelling on those moments that rob you of so much life. Or how about when that anger arises inside because of something someone has done to you and you cannot sleep at night because all you can do is think about getting even with that person. Yeah, the lifestyle of Christ frees you from that too. Jesus himself tells us while speaking on revenge in the book of Matthew chapter 5. He says, you have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too we ask you, what about money and possessions? Those things that everyone is chasing for their value and self-worth? Yeah, Jesus has something to say about that as well. He tells us, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Jesus is freeing us from the rat race and the exhausting pursuit of keeping up with the Joneses and, and inviting us into freedom, real freedom. Freedom from obsessing over what everyone else has. Freedom from seeing how green the grass is on the other side of the fence and into the privilege of joining Jesus and loving this world so we can take others with us before God on the other side of eternity. Well, Let's take forgiveness, for example. According to Fetzer's Institute's Survey of Love and Forgiveness in America, of American adults said they need more forgiveness in their personal lives. I don't blame them because a lack of forgiveness and harboring bitterness can lead to increased anxiety, depression, elevated blood pressure, vascular resistance, decreased immune response, and, and tragic outcomes to our physical bodies. But forgiveness is something that we will pursue when we are living a lifestyle of following Jesus. About halfway through Jesus' ministry, One of his disciples, Peter came up to him and said this, it says, then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? You thought he's being generous, but Jesus says, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Now, Jesus isn't giving an actual number here, but is exaggerating the point of unlimited forgiveness. And why would Jesus ask us to pursue endless forgiveness? because he knows how much a lack of forgiveness stands as a roadblock to the lifestyle and quality of life that he desires for us to have. Now, certainly part of following Jesus as a way of life means other things as well. Um, turning from habits in our life that don't lead us to the best, to best love God and people and pursuing the acceptable practices that do move us closer towards those efforts. But it's not all about exhausting yourself. Following Jesus as a way of life is also about having peace beyond all comprehension and understanding, as you live your life right here, right now. Let me close with with one story and one challenge for all of us. The story is about a rich young man. Some call him a rich young ruler who came face to face with Jesus. The book of Mark tells us, as Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So let's stop right there and and take a look at what this man gets right. Uh, He seeks Jesus out just like we all have or hopefully considering doing. Uh, He kneels down before Jesus and and, and wants what we want. Uh, Eternity, worshiping the greatness of God because of all he has graciously done for us. This man gets some things right. Continuing on, why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not uh, cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. So what is Jesus communicating here? A set of beliefs. An acceptance that you should or shouldn't do certain things. Things that honestly, even people outside of our faith can agree on. Ah, but following Jesus and inheriting eternal life is about so much more than just a set of beliefs. Teacher, the man replied. I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young, right? No problem. The rich young man says, I live my life by the red tape. Those are the beliefs that I can get behind Jesus. Verse 21, looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There's still one thing you haven't done. He told him, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell and he went away sad for he had many possessions What did this man get right? He lived his life with a set of beliefs. That's a good starting point. What did this man get wrong? He failed to understand the exact principle that we are talking about today. Following Jesus is not just agreeing to a set of beliefs, but also a way of life. I think we can be a lot like this man. We have these beliefs about Jesus and about faith, things we 100% believe in, but we just can't move beyond beliefs and into a lifestyle. And I think it breaks some of our hearts. We want to live life to the fullest as Christ promised. We want to be faith driven. Uh, We wish to have this lifestyle that people can look at. And just like the early disciples, people can tell that we are different because we have been with Jesus. But it's hard to make that leap, isn't it? It's difficult. It doesn't help that we have come to accept that beliefs will give us the life we've always wanted. And there aren't many churches telling you it's more than just beliefs. It's about actually living your life as Christ would live it. And honestly, those of us who struggle with that, and I think there's a lot more of us than we'd realize, we aren't going to just wake up tomorrow and get it right. It won't be like a a switch we flip and and suddenly we're all in. I I wish that were the case, but it it just doesn't work that way. Following Jesus as a way of life takes daily intentionality. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes not getting it right. It It takes grace every single day of our lives. Desmond Tutu once famously said, there's only one way to eat an elephant a bite at a time. He meant by this, that everything in life that seems daunting or overwhelming can be accomplished gradually by taking on just a little at a time. So what would it look like for for, for, for you to go all in with, with Jesus? Now, I want to ask you one question and maybe consider that today. What is just one thing that you can change to start living the type of life Jesus desired, designed, and died for you to live? What's one thing this week that you can address in your life that will move you closer down the road to living a life of faith and not just settling for a list of beliefs? What's that one thing that you're going to do that will maybe tip the domino towards more faithfulness to Christ in your life? What's one thing you can do? Maybe any any number of things, but, but here's what I, I would put my money on. You know what it is you need to do. You just need the encouragement to do it. So let me be an encouragement to you by reminding you that that, that you can do it on your own. Probably not, but, but you have pastors who believe in you, a church that supports you. And last, but certainly not least, the book of Ephesians tells us for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So most importantly, you have an all knowing, all powerful grave conquering God who is able and willing to empower you to live the life he created you to live. So let's start living life to the fullest.